Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm uh, I'm Mark Pugh. I'm one of the the pastors here at the Vine, and grateful to have the opportunity to share with you guys out of God's Word today. Today we're going to be, you guys can go ahead and even pull out your Bible, but we're going to be in uh, Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20, um, it's, uh, this passage is oftentimes called the Great Commission. And it's a really good passion, passage to be teaching on on Mission Sunday. Do you guys know we, we made this thing up called Mission Sunday? And we do it every year and uh, we celebrate missions. Did you guys know that we got a potluck today? Yeah. I need a little more energy. Did y'all know we got a potluck today? Yeah. yeah. Potlucks are fantastic. So, you know, this passage, this is where Jesus tells, his, tells us to go make disciples. The whole world, we're to teach them all the commandments that Jesus has laid out. This is Jesus' plan for us to know, for the whole world to know him, which is actually the, the, the series title name. That Jesus, this is the plan that Jesus would have for the world to know. So if this is Jesus' plan to save the world and to grow his kingdom, why is it so hard? And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to see that discipling others is a very messy job, but it can also be a very rewarding job. So there's a little context to our passage. You know, the church was just getting started. This is the very end of, of Matthew 28, Christ had been hanging out with his disciples, his closest people, for about three years. He had been crucified. He had been raised from the dead, and his group was really excited. Through the early disciples' work, the church spread very rapidly. In a couple of hundred years, the world was really changed. Rome had uh, really tasted Christianity and, and picked up on it. But even then, discipleship was a messy work. Because 11 of the 12 first disciples, they died a terrible death. They were persecuted. The Apostle Paul was beaten many times. And he, you know, he was persecuted greatly. But they believed in this. They believed in it so strongly. They believed in Christ that they would sacrifice everything for it. It was a very exciting time and a very exciting work. So why was it so exciting? I think part of the answer is the resurrection. Seeing Jesus glorified, it changes everything. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but but discipleship, our discipleship relationships, they start with an encounter with Jesus. But for the early church, the excitement of seeing God's kingdom come to fruition, it really had started much earlier than this. It started back in Genesis in the garden where God created us, people, with purpose to tend to the garden, to to be at one with him, to have peace with him and to have peace with one another. But then we kind of chose our own path. We went with our own desires and we lost the presence of God and we lost the peace that we had with one another. And the people of Israel knew that and they wanted it restored. And so then here comes their Messiah, Jesus. And it looks like he's going to Take Israel to repentance one more time and bring God's spirit back to the temple. 
They're excited because he's going to help usher this kingdom, this kingdom of God in and pull them out from the persecution of Rome. But then he dies, just like the other prophets. And they're like, hey, they're thinking in their minds, this is not supposed to be the way it is. But then Jesus is raised. He's raised from the dead and it changes everything. He's the Messiah. It proves that he is who he said he was. And now through faith, there's nothing, nothing nothing that can separate us from God's love, from faith in Jesus. That the, the, the penalty of death and the powers of evil, they've been defeated. And there's no stop to bringing the good news of Jesus to the ends of the world. So these are exciting times for the disciples, even though it was a messy work. So unfortunately, when we think about today, I think we've lost that excitement. And I think uh, most of us have probably forgotten about Easter just a couple weeks ago. We're not looking forward to Pentecost, a very vital and historic event where the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people to empower them to disciple the whole world. You know, I shared these same stats last year that the trajectory of the church is in decline. It used to be 60% of people didn't come to church regularly. Now it's 70%. That means 30% of the church is, 30% of America is going to church regularly and regularly means once or twice a month. So most people don't go to church twice a month. We've lost our excitement. We live in a moment where our primary job, discipling others, is a messy, messy work. But these are the last words in Matthew's gospel. And we know they're important. They tell us about the priority of discipleship. They tell us about discipleship being the primary mission of the church. So this morning, we're going to dig into how discipling others can be a messy but a rewarding job. If you guys would, let's open up our, uh, our Bibles to Matthew 28. Let me pray. Lord, I, I beg you to help us today. Help us to not be distracted. It's so easy to be distracted. So much going on. Lord, help us to open our ears up, open our minds up, and open our hearts up to what you would reveal in your word for each one of us today. Amen. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's start with how discipling others can be a, a messy work. And the first thing we see here is that we, the church, we're called to disciple the whole world. We're not called to disciple just our buddies or the people we like. We're, just, we're called to disciple the whole world. And we see this in verse 18 and, and 19. Making disciples, in this case, it, it means to make followers or committed students. We're to make followers of Jesus and instruct them on how to follow Jesus. And, and we, we see here we're supposed to disciple the whole world, all nations. This is a, this Greek word is called ethne. It's a, 
It's a, it represents a group of people kind of based upon their culture, their language, their geography, their physique. This is an ethne, and um, it's not really a country, right? It's a segment of a country. And there are thousands of ethnes across the globe. Matthew here says that each people group is going to be discipled. And this is important because we see from other scripture that all different types of people, all different ethnes, will be in heaven. The Apostle John says that in a, in a few books. Revelation 5.9, we see, use the same word here. <clears throat> Revelation 5.9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So Matthew's saying clearly, look, or John in this case is saying clearly, the whole world will know Jesus, Jesus, but he's not saying each and every person will. He's saying all the different people groups will. Matthew and John, they're making it clear that, that Jesus died for all the different ethnes, not just for the Israelites. And that's really important. I think part of why they clarify that is because being around people that are different than us can be difficult. It can be messy. So when we consider like, what, what do we do with this? How are we, when we're thinking about dif- discipling others, how does this affect us? And it'd be super easy to say, look, you need to get on a plane and go fly to another culture, go visit another people group and start discipling somebody. That'd be That'd be a great thing to, uh, to think that we need to do. What's kind of cool is the whole world's coming to Forsyth County, it seems like. <laughs> and Atlanta has already got the whole world here. So I love the idea of everybody going on a global mission trip. I do. I think it's great for our discipleship, our journey to be discipled. It's a piece of that. But you don't have to do that to share your faith with somebody and start a discipling relationship with somebody. Instead of feeling that weight of the world to go out and disciple all the different people groups, the Bible instructs us to start the process with who am I to disciple or who should disciple me with prayer. Pastor Tim told us this a couple of weeks ago. Um, He showed us that this is what Jesus did. Jesus took time away and he prayed before he started recruiting his followers. If we don't start with prayer, we'll likely end up with just hanging out with people that are very likely or like us. If we do pray about it, we still might be there or we might jump on a plane or, or the Lord might reveal somebody else for us to disciple. You know, we've got to allow him to have the ability to show us these different kind of people to disciple. And again, when they're different from us, it can be very, very Messy, kind of like this right here. So if God's presenting that person to you that's different from you, we got to trust that it is going to be okay. I really believe, as hard as this to believe, that a Tennessee fan could disciple an Alabama fan, even though it'd be really hard and messy. Realize that this applies to all of us, to everyone that's a believer. There's no Christian that is above being discipled. We've got a great chart here to to show. Um, It's not quite right, this chart isn't. 
that we're uninterested in Jesus, and then we become a believer. And we believe in him, but we're not really a disciple. Disciple is a committed student of Jesus, and then we're a, a disciple maker. That chart's not right. This chart ought to have three categories. You're uninterested, then you choose Jesus. He, he has pulled you into his family, and you're a disciple. You are a committed student of Jesus, wanting to allow him to teach you how to grow, to be obedient, to trust in him, and to be, realize how has he called you to impact the world. That's what a disciple is, and then a disciple maker. And so a question for us today is, is where are you at on this chart? You know, are you uninterested and, or maybe you're interested and you're still thinking through this claims of Jesus or you're a disciple, not quite yet a disciple maker. There's a great quote from Bill Hull. He's a kind of an expert on discipleship. I think he was a part of Navigators. Quote says, the idea that only mature people are disciples and all other Christians are immature converts appears no one, nowhere in the New Testament. God expects every believer to be a mature, reproducing disciple. Therefore, any leader can confidently stand before the church and call every believer to discipleship. Our passage tells us that we're called to be disciple makers. So when we share our faith with someone, that's a critical step to making a disciple but we don't stop there. Our hope should be that, that we're helping those who are uninterested to become disciples who are committed students of Jesus and then helping them to become a disciple maker to teach others to become committed students of Jesus. You know, this is Jesus' plan to show the world who he is. But I'm afraid that we're maybe not really after making disciple makers. I'm afraid that we're okay with people being believers and they're not multiplying. So if this is Jesus' plan to show the world, and he's, he's clearly, we can see it, he's clearly inviting us in on this to join him. How do we start? Well, if you journal, get your pen and paper out and start writing some names down. Maybe it's on your phone. Maybe you just pray about those names. But God's given you influence with people today. Whether it's in this church, whether it's in your workplace or your neighbors, or it's the ball field with parents of kids you're playing sport, your kids are playing sports with. You, you have people in your life that need to know Jesus or already know him and want to deep, more deeply dive into who he is and, and be a committed student of him. Be open as you pray about this. Be open to the Lord suggesting a name that you forgot about. Again, I think we tend to center on who's easy or who we're around or who we're like. The Lord might reveal to you somebody different and pray about it. Pray, pray, pray. If you come up empty after praying, <clears throat> come see your elder or come see Pastor John or Pastor Tim or myself and we'd love to help you or Rod Pettis who runs our groups ministry to help you get into a discipleship relationship that's very important to us. But we want you to start with prayer because we believe that's what Scripture tells us to do. That's what Jesus modeled. We know it's effective. If you're a parent, congratulations. Because Pastor Tim said that once you become a parent, you're automatically a disciple maker. You got people in your life to disciple. We're supposed to bring up 
our kids in the ways of the Lord and you know, we want them to be disciple makers. We don't want to raise our kids up to be believers. We want them to be disciple makers. And this is our primary job over discipling other people. Discipling our kids is our primary job. And we don't want to outsource that to somebody else. Another reason discipling others is a messy work is that we're supposed to teach and serve others, which tends to mean that we got to hang out with them quite a bit, which can be difficult and messy. We see this in verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. See, teaching disciples means to help them learn and to impart knowledge or skill upon them. Here at the Vine, we have a definition that we've kind of come up with for what we, what we term as discipleship, and that's helping others become a growing follower of Christ who is being conformed to the image of Christ, growing in grace, knowledge, and obedience, and equipping others to do the same. See, discipling others, it can be messy because it tends to be all about ourselves. Well, I don't have time to disciple somebody else. I really, I don't feel equipped to disciple somebody else. Or when I am discipling somebody else, I'm kind of frustrated because they're not growing as fast as they ought to grow or they're not preparing for our time together as much as I think they should. I have been through every one of those statements myself. I've lived that. It's about me so much. Disciple making is also messy because grace tends to leak out of us. You know, we learn it and then we forget it. We forget to apply it. So then we're reminded of it. We have to be persistent in understanding God's grace. I know I forget how to apply Jesus's death on the cross. The fact that I'm a child of God, that he took away my punishment, he took my sin, and he gave me his right standing with God the Father. And that should affect everything, every day. But I tend to forget that, the beauty of that. So we need people in our lives. If we're going to learn to observe Jesus's commandments, which means that word observed to guard or to obey them, We need people in our lives to help us learn how to study God's word and to teach God's word. We need people in our lives to teach us how to pray. We need people in our lives to teach us how to share our faith with others, how to serve others. We need people in our lives to rebuke us occasionally and hold us accountable. And we need people in our lives to encourage us to continue the work. You know, dads, I I know that uh, I already mentioned Hey, it's our job. It's not somebody else's job to disciple our kids. Um, But I thought I'd share something that that has helped me with my journey with my kids. And um, this isn't for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. Everybody's job situation is a little different, life situation. So I get that. But I will say when I started this, I was working down in Buckhead. I had an over-hour commute every day. Um, So once a month, I had decided when the girls were little, I'd read a book. And this book said basically... Go do something with them in the morning, start early, and that way when they start to hit teenager years and they realize you're not cool and they don't really have to hang out with you, they don't know any better because they've been doing it all their life. And so once a month, I would take a girl out, I have two girls to to breakfast, to Dunkin' Donuts, but what I was doing was because I had all month to make this happen, I would negotiate that with my business schedule. I had a client meeting, sometimes it was really important, Eh, I'll do that next week with the girls. And 
reasonable amount of time, <clears throat> I didn't make the meeting <clears throat> happen. So it wasn't until I had decided that my time with my girls was the most important thing and that I had a limited time with them was I said, okay, I'm, I'm dedicating a day of the week to this. It's usually a Tuesday, Wednesday, occasionally it's been Monday, but it's based on their, their schedules. But, but we, we're pretty good about it now. We, we've gone to Dunkin' Donuts all their life and we've just talked about whatever. And it's gone so well that both of them still do it. I've got a 20-year-old in college that calls me pretty much every Monday. And we talk about 30 minutes. We talk again about all sorts of things. But, but here's an easy question for you. And this could work for almost any relationship in terms of applying the gospel. What's bugging you? I mean, it's a simple, simple question. What's bugging you? But hearing what's bothering you then starts to open up, well, what's going on with my heart? And this time, it gives us a time for us to pour into each other. Because I learn a lot during this time and I get to pray for her. And, and oftentimes we learn that <clears throat> the reality is grace leaks out that she's kind of forgotten how to apply Jesus' death on the cross for us and our identity being in him to whatever this thing that's bugging her. So again, that's not necessarily gonna work for you guys, but I would encourage you all to pray, to be intentional with this relationship the Lord has given you and hopefully he'll honor that prayer however that looks best for you guys. So as we teach others to be conformed to the image of Christ, we must oftentimes serve others to demonstrate his love to others. And we see Jesus, he did this in, in John chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. If we look at John 13 verses 12 to, to 15, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer, outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So in the early church, the followers, they, they, they were doing this thing called the way. They followed the way. And the way was the way of Jesus. And so we see Jesus here, he's modeling how he cared for and he taught his, his followers. He did life with them. He ate with them. He traveled with them. He showed them how to love each other. He taught them. He taught them how to become disciples. And it was a dirty and, and messy work. I mean, this example of washing someone's feet back then, that would have been a nasty job. Been way, way different than today. But here Jesus is, the creator of all, being humble, on his hands and feet, washing his followers. He was serving them and thus teaching them to make disciples because as disciples, we've got to learn to serve others too. So we've talked a little bit about why is discipling others messy? Well, let's talk a little bit about why it's rewarding and, and what's the best part of it. And we see this in our passage. The best part is that Jesus is going to be with us always. That's the end of the passage. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See this word behold here, it means to look. It brings like an explanation, explanation to it. It's, it's really important. And I think this is the most important thing that we have going on with discipleship. This is Jesus's last words. 
Helping someone go from being uninterested to disciple to disciple maker, it's not all on us. And we've got to believe that. Helping helping is, is about them being dependent upon Jesus. It starts by looking at Jesus. We're called to be image bearers of Jesus. We're not called to be image bearers of, of Mark. We teach them how to follow Jesus. You know, we are the new temple. Back in the, the Old Testament, God's presence was in the temple or on certain people in certain moments to accomplish his work. But, but now Jesus has empowered all of his family to have the Holy Spirit inside us. He lives inside us. And so we are God's temple today. And this can be a little messy too. Because it's hard to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives, to pause and let that happen. But if you do that, the burden is lifted. It gets less and less about you and what you're trying to accomplish and more about Jesus. You know, it's, it's normal to be scared to share our faith. It's normal to be a little nervous to disciple somebody. <laughs> we need to realize we're going to mess up. We're going to say something that is wrong, but God is forgiving. He's purifying us. This is a part of our faith journey. And we need to remember, he stays with us as we go. That word go, therefore make disciples, it really means to, as you go, make disciples. And, and the Holy Spirit is with us. He does not leave us to go accomplish the mission on our own. We need to trust that. And we already saw in verse 18 that Jesus, he tells us that he's been given all authority and power. So what Jesus wants to have happen, it's going to happen. And we get to join in with that. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of growing his kingdom right now. And that really ought to be exciting and rewarding to us. You know, seeing a life changed, that's a great experience. Seeing someone overcover, cover the, overcome their struggles, people who are anxious to start living in peace because of Christ in their life, man, that is so good. It is, there's hardly anything better than to see that. I've heard of some amazing stories about life change from a prisoner in a prison cell and how um, just traumatic. The, the life has changed in that case. And where the, the prisoner, when they accept Jesus, they learn to repent of who they are and who their sin is or was. And, and they, they learn to be obedient because they're believing. They repent. They believe. They obey. They do this dance and I'm not good at it. Repent, believe, obey. And their lives are changed. And I, I mean, that just clearly impacts people. But what about the average guy? I bet that's still pretty amazing to see life change with the average guy, the guy that grew up with a, a good home. He had a, a good job. He didn't go to prison. Maybe he drank too much. Maybe he worked too much. You know, so much so that uh, my wife told me after having our first kid that she didn't want to have another child because I wasn't around. I needed to repent. I had this really big image problem. I wasn't going to fail no matter what, so I just work. It wasn't until Jesus changed me because people around me 
chose to be disciple makers. They took time out to come love me and show me who he was, and it changed my life. You know, another little, a little funny story about my uh, faith journey is shortly thereafter, I'm in a discipleship group. And uh, it's at the end of this meeting, I think I might have shared this before with you guys, but uh, they're going around doing the prayer thing. They're praying out loud. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. We're not there yet. And uh, so it's going around and kind of, I'm in the loop, and it looks like they're including the whole loop. And so it comes to me, and I'm like, nope, I'm not praying out loud because I'm still relying on myself. I still worried about what people thought of me. I didn't know how to worship God. But I bet it was a pretty good day. I bet it's pretty exciting, maybe rewarding the first time that they heard me pray out loud. I bet that was a pretty cool thing to experience with the guys. Look, I know a lot of people in this room, you guys are already disciple makers. You're already discipling other people. You're leading life groups. You're, you're leading small groups. You're in one-on-one mentoring relationships. And there's a lot of people in here that are deeply committed students of Jesus that are disciples. You just haven't quite been able to take that next step to be a disciple maker. And so this morning, I really just want to encourage all of us, all of us to be open-handed with our lives and, and occasionally pause and pray and say, God, is there somebody else I need to be discipling? Is there, is there somebody else new that should disciple me? I can't imagine how impactful it would be if we saw a dozen or two more disciple makers pop up, leading small groups, discipling three or four people. You got 50, 60, 70 people being discipled. That's going to affect our families. It's going to affect our church. It's going to affect the community around us. And while it can be very messy, discipling others is very rewarding because it's a joint effort with Jesus. And that brings hope and healing to the world. Our work is, it's not done yet. God's given us a a purpose. He died for us to carry out this mission to bring about his kingdom through teaching and serving others. And the best part is he promises he's going to be with us always. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.